0: It's good to be with you today. If I've not met you, I'm Dan and senior pastor here, and I serve with Pastor Melvin here at Deep Creek, and the team we have, a tremendous team here at Deep Creek. There's always a sweet spirit when I come into the building as I'm doing the circuit and preaching. And I've been gone for a little bit. I had to go back home for a funeral. Now I'm back, and I'm really, really glad to be with you today. Today's message is entitled, Lord and Savior. Savior. I just reversed. Savior and Lord. I want to paint a picture today and over the next few weeks of what a dedicated follower of Christ looks like in 2022. In other words, how do we as Christians process our life in a rapidly secularizing culture that's polarized in so many ways? The early disciples, when they were persecuted, it was said of them These people have been with Jesus, Acts 4 and 13. Would you agree with me? We'd like that to be said of us. I don't know what that guy's name is, but he's obviously a follower of Jesus. I don't know what her name is, but I've been around her enough that I believe that she has been with Jesus. This fall, we're going to talk about discipleship. Probably no more important topic in our day than that we're going to talk about what does it take to disciple gen z some of the approaches have to be modified updated to be relevant we're going to talk about forming life long life-giving spiritual practices we're going to help parents learn how to disciple their children we're going to talk about what a disciple needs to have in their heart to be resilient in these days, overcoming big challenges. What are the key qualities of a disciple in this season? The fall series is going to be entitled Walk This Way. And I really encourage you to attend, attend through the whole series. If you have to miss the sunny, watch it online. I want to welcome those that are watching online now. And... Um, Make it a priority this fall to learn about how to be a disciple, a full follower of Christ in this generation. Our text today is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles and I, I was remiss to welcome all those that are joining us online, um, we have several thousand actually from here and all around the world to join us and pastor dana and her team do such an outstanding job with the online campus second peter chapter 3 verse 18 says this grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ it doesn't say grow in the knowledge of christ There's two descriptive words here. We are to grow in two aspects of Christ. The first aspect being grow in the knowledge of a Savior. And the second term is grow in the knowledge of him as your Lord, Savior, and Lord. Two complementary but distinct roles of Jesus. One is to get you saved. And here, thank God for that. Second role is to transform your life into what it was created to be, called sanctification. Savior and Lord. Now, here's a key in discipleship. If we just jump into discipleship, talking about that, and we don't settle that Jesus first has to be your savior, what will happen is you'll turn, you'll get into moralism. Like if I read my Bible and I fast and I share my faith and, I, and I, I'm a disciple, I'm a disciple. What's gonna happen, it's gonna lead you into self-righteousness and it's gonna lead you into works righteousness and it's gonna lead you far from God, the way. Whereas, if we can settle this first, that you first of all need a savior, we'll talk about that second. But first of all, we need to settle that we need to get saved. We live in a world that says this, Jesus is your example. Non-Christians say Jesus is a good example. Buddhists say Jesus is a good example. Do you think our world would be better if our world emulated Jesus? Jesus? I think it'd be a much better world, wouldn't it? But following Jesus as your example doesn't get you saved. Did you know that there's a lot of good people, nice people, that are not saved? Oh, this just ticks me off when somebody says, Oh, Bob, he's such a good guy. He would make such a good Christian. What do you mean he'd make such a good, like his full character development is already there. All he needs is just to get a savior. Hey, the Bible says none of us are righteous. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. None of us come before God and say, I pretty much got this act together. All I need now is add Jesus to it. Jesus says just the opposite. He says just the opposite. We are born into sin far from God, and we need a Savior. We've got a sin problem. Oh, Pastor Dan, we've got social problems. Oh, you bet we've got social problems. Oh, Pastor Dan, we've got racial problems, economic problems, problems in the Ukraine, problems in Washington, problem, problem, problem. Yeah, yeah, we've got lots of problems. But, friends, each of us are born with a problem bigger than all those problems. We have a sin problem. And Jesus said this, the way to heaven is narrow and fewer on that way. And the way to destruction is wide. And there's lots of people on that path. And I might add that think they're on the other path. There's a lot of people, you know, I've lived a good life. I've tried to be a good person. And let me tell you this about good people that aren't, let me just tell you that are you know, unsaved, good. Are there unsaved, nice people? Yeah, there's lots of unsaved, nice people. Are there lots of saved people that aren't nice? Unfortunately, that's true too. But let me talk about just being nice without a savior. You put enough pressure on that person, there's a side of them you didn't know was there. Take some of their money. Let's talk money. You'd be surprised. I have dealt with so many families. When a parent dies and they're selling the estate, and these brothers and sisters that have always loved each other are out for blood. Mama wanted me to have that dresser and drawers. Well, mama wanted me to have that dresser. This estate's not, it's just crazy, man. All of us are born in the need of a Savior. Moralism says this, you can kind of improve yourself through therapy. So lots of Christianity, because we are afraid in some ways, to stand up and say this. There's one way to heaven. I didn't say that. Jesus said it. He said, I am the way. definite article. The way, not a way, the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, some of you might argue, well, maybe he's the cosmic Christ and people have faith in Christ and they don't know it's really Christ. All right, if you want to contort that far, I don't see it in the Bible, I put my faith in that idol. I've never heard about Jesus, but my faith in that idol, whatever it might be, and and that's Jesus to me, and maybe God will accept that as Jesus because we have the cosmic Christ. Uh, I go, I don't think that's what the Bible says. The apostles were not put to death for philosophy. They were put to death because they proclaimed that there was a God who was Lord, who was higher than Caesar. That's why that's why when you say Jesus is Lord, you got executed because the Roman citizens had to say Caesar is Lord. When Caesar or any emperor would come in parade they had to say Caesar is Lord. And by saying Jesus is Lord, they were saying there is one greater So you and I, before we talk about discipleship, we need to have a Savior. I want to talk for five minutes, 10 minutes maybe, on Jesus being your Savior. It implies three things. Jesus, Savior, implies three things. First thing, it implies forgiveness. The main reason you get saved, not the only reason, the main reason is to get forgiven. What? I thought the main reason I got saved was so that I, I could live an abundant life. That's, that's, that's part of it, but that's not the primary. I thought I, I got saved to help my marriage or to, or to help my mind or to get rid of these demons or to overcome my addiction. We sang today about, did we sing about addictions and problems today? And I thank God our Savior delivers us from that. But our main issue is that we have a sin issue and we need to be forgiven. And what happens when you, when you plateau in your walk with God that the idea of being forgiven by God Becomes less and less thrilling. It's like, let me just go on to the deeper stuff. There's nothing deeper than the knowledge that God the Father has forgiven you of all your sins in Christ. And you are white and snow, if you want to use that metaphor, you're as innocent. As if you had never sinned. We need a savior that removes the guilt. You know, our whole culture is suppressing guilt. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame. Don't feel guilty. Hey, without some healthy guilt, you'll never want a savior. I feel guilty of my sin. The first thing to get saved is you've got to have a light switch go on. Not about necessarily all the things that God wants for you, but you've got to have a light switch to go on that you're a sinner. And you might say, well, if I grade myself as a sinner, I'd be probably in the top stay nine. I'm on the bell curve. I'm up here as probably one of the better sinners. (laughs) Oh, just by thinking that, you're a worse sinner. You're self-righteous. Once you know you're a sinner and you can't rescue yourself and you can't clean yourself up and you're doomed for failure and destruction and enmity with God and along comes the glorious knowledge that you've got a Savior who's taken up your cause and died on the cross to bury your sin and forgive you. You go, whoa, the Bible says, he who is forgiven much... Loves much. I'll tell you, this guy that's dancing before the Lord, out of step, off the beat. This is 1980s, man. This is really passe. If you went to ORU, this is passe too. ORU was the hoppers. Oh, they just hop. Pastor Wayne, that's how he dances. Now we all kind of dance before the Lord this way. We're like Hutch, we plant these two feet and we're not going anywhere. But the person who dances before the Lord, I'm I'm, I'm saying this in, in kind of a metaphor, is the person that knows they're forgiven much. The dignified, the non emotional, the controlled the cerebral hey you got a pulse <laughs> you were going to hell man come on come on you hells a real place dude yeah. there's a lot of people on that road and by the spirit of god's election he opened up your heart like he opened up lydia's heart to understand the things of god And out of your heart came this small little faith that says, I believe in him. I believe who he is. I believe what he's done. And you're translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light of his beloved son and you're on your way to heaven. You know, number two here is, you know, Jesus as your Savior, the next key word, forgiveness, related to that is the word grace. I love this word, grace. You know, friends, I have uh, been called a grace pastor. And I I think that's the greatest compliment I could receive as a pastor. I was at a church service some time ago on holiday and I have never been blistered more than that guy's preaching he was angry with everybody and everything and his sermon was about standing for the gospel and he is taking no prisoners man and I go man there's no grace with this guy there's no grace with this guy Here's what grace says. If you've made a mistake, if you've sinned against God, if you're on the wrong path, if you've fallen into some kind of addiction, there is a Savior who still loves you. And there's a Savior who will forgive you. There was a Savior that will welcome you back. We serve a God who's like the prodigal father that every morning and evening he's looking at the horizon to see if his sinner's son is coming home. That's the God that we serve. You may have made some bad mistakes today, but you can get right with God again today. That's called grace. I'm glad we have a Savior that gives grace. I could be a pill. I'm earthy. And when I preach, every now and then, I just kind of go off the rails. And I do it to just offend religious people. And I'm being honest. I just want to offend religious people. They're watching X-rated, R-rated movies at home, but they're going to get upset if the pastor gets just the slightest bit earthy. You're thinking right now, what's he going to (laughs) say? I haven't decided yet. I'm going through my roller decks of earthy things to say. (laughs) I mean, Luther was a pill. What a pill he was. I won't even tell you all the things that Luther did. And you go like, whoa. Why? He knew grace. If you fail God today, he doesn't love you less. You might say, well, Dan, are you saying we should fail God? Then only a warped mind connects the dots that way. We're not into our, really, in in Christian faith, is this how you think? What is the bare stinking minimum? I can do or don't do and still get in. How'd you like that, Melvin? Was that that pretty good? There, I'm being earthy. I could do better than that, too. Third thing, forgiveness. Oh, thank God for a savior. Grace. I'm a happy man, not because of what I've done for God. I'm a happy man for what he's done for me and every morning I need to remind myself Dan I know you're a Pentecostal. I know you're a charismatic. I know you're a tongue talker and a healer guy and a prosperity guy and you're all those things. But they all come after the fact. Every morning I wake up, thank you, God, I'm saved. If my heart stops today, I know where I will be. I have no fear of tomorrow because I have a savior. Bonnie Kyle, who's long-term staff member of our church, has gone to be with the Lord after a brief battle with cancer, she was lucid and sweet up until the very last moment. Her dearest friend I talked to this morning and said, Pastor, I want you to know that I was with Bonnie and she had no fear. Here's a simple woman who never married never had her own children. And I could give other qualities of Bonnie that made her very unique, but she had a savior. Yeah. And on her deathbed, there was no fear. She had a savior who had forgiven her, and was giving her grace. Oh friends, you can fake it. Good luck when you're on your deathbed You ain't going to fake it on your deathbed. You're not going to project peace. The real you will find its way out. Are you ready to meet a maker? You see, sonship, when we have Jesus as our Savior, means we're no longer orphaned. We are now children of God. We've been adopted by God. My identity is rooted not in my culture, my ethnicity, my gender. My identity is rooted... First, in who I am in God and I am his son. See how great a love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. 1 John 3 and 1. I follow Christ today not because I'm afraid of him. And he'll zap me if I don't. I don't follow God the Father because I think he's cruel and he's going to slap me upside the head and he's counting my trespasses against me I follow God because he's a kind and loving father and I follow him out of love when you really love your dad as a teenage boy you want to please your dad you want to please your mom That's the way it is with God. I follow him because I love him. I don't follow him because I'm afraid of him. I have a savior. And his savior has given me peace with God. He no longer has enmity with me. And he's now self-identified as my father who gives good gifts to his children. 1 John 2 and 25 says, and this is what he promised us, even eternal life. How many today are grateful for a Savior that gives you eternal life? I just got, I'd love to remind every pastor in America, circle back often, that we are grateful for a Savior. On your worst day, oh golly, I'll tell you something earthy. Not real earthy. My father-in-law, my stepfather-in-law, no, my wife's stepfather. Will that be my stepfather-in-law? He, he died on a week ago Friday. Suddenly he was hit by a, he in a pickup and he was hit by a semi and died on the spot. My grandson tells me today he's five. He says, Yeah, I heard about the semi took out one of our family. I go, Well, that's not very religious. I mean, show some respect for the dead. And I'm thinking to myself, My father knew Christ. And this isn't the end of the world. This isn't like, Oh, He could have had such a good life. His life has just begun. He knew the Lord and he stepped from one dimension with a continuity of consciousness into the next dimension in the presence of the Lord where there's joy forevermore and there's no tear or sorrow or death. Now, I don't like the way he got... Well, I don't grieve like the world grieves, Pastor Wayne. Those online, I don't grieve like that. He had eternal life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 says, We have to be careful, however, to receive this grace of God in vain. Working together with him, then we appeal to you, do not receive this glorious, magnificent, amazing grace of God in vain. Vain. Jesus is not only a savior; He is your Lord, your Master, your despoté, your kurios. Dallas Willard said this quote: "This is a great quote. There is absolutely nothing in what Jesus Himself or His early followers taught that suggests you can decide just to enjoy forgiveness." at Jesus' expense, and have nothing more to do with them. Right? That's what happens when you say, hey, come to the altar and receive the Lord's grace. And there's no follow-up of discipleship that leads to transformation. There's an old saying, and if you give me a little bit of grace, I want to repeat it. I think it's poignant in in what it says, if you or I were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? I mean, Dan, I gotta be evangelizing all the time? I didn't say that. I mean, there should be some, you can't love God above all things and not talk about him. If you're in love with a woman, you're going to talk about her. Or in love with a man, you're going to talk about her. Sometime you're going to talk about her. If you love God, somewhere in your conversation, there would be a reference to God, a sensitivity to God. And you would do things or not do things expected of a follower of Christ. Jesus is Lord. We, we follow him, and when he's our Lord... We, we he's our master he disciples us we, we begin to talk like him think like him and act like him there's an old saying covered in your rabbi's dust it became very popular about 15 years ago and in the mishnah second century bc the the, the rabbis had had some writings about their how a rabbi would have followers and in at jesus time to get new rabbis candidates were called disciples and they would follow a rabbi and the rabbi would walk around and instruct them. They'd ask questions. He'd talk to them. He'd talk to another rabbi and the disciples following the rabbi would get us up real close because they didn't want to miss anything the rabbi said. And there became a saying that the dust of the rabbi was on the disciple. In other words, they were so close to him that as he stirred up dirt with his feet and kicked up a little bit of dust they were so close that dust was on them covered in your rabbi's dust jesus had the same model he had disciples who followed him for three years basically and taught them the ways of the kingdom so after pentecost they went to the whole world as apostles and gave their life for the message that they had been taught over three years I was born and raised Lutheran. I love my church that I was raised in. I love my parents. I only missed church five times in 18 years. I had the perfect Sunday school attendance pin. Remember those things? You know, it's like you're a general or something, right? Got all those pins there. And I did confirmations as a church member and all of that. And I believed in my heart that Jesus was who he said he was. I had no doubt about that. So I think he was my savior. But I went to college. I had no relationship with him of any substance. And through a course of events, I fell into a very scary time in my life, And as a freshman in college, I noticed an advertisement for a Bible study with college students. And because I'd been raised in a Christian home, I didn't look for relief in a bottle or a bed. I look for relief in the bible and i went to this bible study and here's all these young people and they all loved god they're about my age a couple of, you know, some of them are older than me and they're singing about jesus they're talking about jesus like he's really real and when i'm with these guys like to eat or do fun stuff like we did a lot of bowling to do the stuff like that they're always talking about what the lord's doing and the Lord told me this, and I'm doing that, and I love Jesus. And they were wearing the Jesus T-shirts, you know, the trumpet, got all the, the rapture shirts. If you're in the 1970s Christian, there was lots of rapture shirts going up to heaven. And the more obnoxious the T-shirt, the prouder you were of it. And then I I met, I met him in a different way, experientially, existentially. Jesus' presence became real to me. And I met a young man in this group. His name was Dennis, real name. He's three years older than me. And uh, we, we had an organic friendship. It just kind of clicked. And he was a really good Christian guy. And I spent a full year and a half just hanging out with him. After class, going on hiking, doing hiking and doing fun stuff, prayed with him and so forth. And he discipled me. We didn't call it that, but I got discipled by hanging out with a Christian three years older than me. And even to today, my core theology, my core theology is still what I got implanted in me by this guy. I had coffee with him about four weeks ago. He's now retired from the ministry. And I said, Dennis, I want to thank you for discipling me. And he had a real sense of joy in me saying that because he had kind of a rough departure from the ministry. And by me saying that, it blessed him. And as years went on, I was discipled by other people, both male and female, some formally, some informally. Jack Kafer discipled me from afar. I absolutely absorbed everything Jack taught. When he came to our church, he was here three or four times, and I hung out with him. Like I went on vacation with Jack, and I said about three words. He's a real talker, bro. Jack, Jack is a talker. Jack was talking one time. Pastor Jack, Jack here was talking to me. We go up to a stop sign. He's a little older. He falls asleep. He's you know I go through the stop sign. I mean, the bro just took a little break. He fell asleep in the middle of it. Oh, but I'm absorbing it. So today I'm a little bit of Dennis. I'm a little bit of Jack Hayford. I'm a little bit of Kevin Turpin, all leading me closer to a savior, discipling me in the things of God that I could be not only a man who says Jesus is my savior, but I'm walking with him more each day. If you're a disciple of Jesus, three things that you do, and these are the last things we'll say today. Number one is you do what Jesus said to do. Now that's rocket science. Jesus said this, Why do you call me Lord if you don't do what I told you to do? Another place he said, Not everybody who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying here is the confession with the mouth has to be matched with an obedience of your will. And if there's a disconnect there, you may have received God's grace in vain. You say, okay, you mean I supposed to do really what the Bible says? Yes, don't pray about the future and what about this and who's the antichrist and what's the mark of the beast and what's about this and, If the vaccine's bad, the vaccine's good, or those that has its place. Start by just doing what the Bible says to do. One of the things that Jesus said: Do you want to be forgiven? You got to forgive people. So don't go for the deeper things until you forgive people you are offended at. I had a friend of mine well not really a friend more of an acquaintance he committed adultery and the marriage was right on the rocks they were in counseling and I lost track of them about a year later I ran into him and they were still married I said and he's, he's with his wife and I, they're there together I said how'd you guys stay together she said this I forgave him. It took a while to get there, but I forgave him. The Bible says if we want to be forgiven, we need to forgive. That would be one thing that Jesus said explicitly. Number two, as in you live your daily life, your job, your family, your recreation, where there's not explicit commands, you, you live your life in in the character of Christ. What would Jesus do with wisdom and like this is simply what Jesus would do you don't need to have a command you're walking with him you know his heart you know his attitude here you, you're at a restaurant and you got a, a haggard waitress who's trying to man all these tables because they're short of help and she brings you your food and it's not done right and Oh, you got a golden opportunity here. You can either chew on her and say, look, I ordered a rare steak. Or what would Jesus do? You show compassion, you show a little mercy, and then you drop a big tip. Oh, she didn't deserve a tip. That cooked it. Come on. That's not the way Jesus thinks. Jesus blesses people that are having a hard day. That's just who he is. And the third and final point, do what Jesus said to do. Live your daily life in the character of Christ. And number three, learn to exercise the power of God. Oftentimes, discipleship stops at character. I'm going to take it further. Discipleship means once character develops, God wants you to begin to walk in some power, some kingdom power. It could be in prayer, right? It could be in spiritual warfare. It could be in the spiritual gifts. Our life was never meant to be, he's a good old boy, but doesn't have any power. Our life is meant to be this. I have a savior. And he's the Lord of my life. And I'm trying to do what he told me to do and live in the character of him. And over time, I'm being granted the opportunity and responsibility to walk in his power, his hands, his feet, to threaten darkness wherever I go. Today, those watching online and here at the broadcast campus, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you given your if you responded, if you responded to the invitation of salvation, your parent can't save you, your family can't save you, being good enough can't save you, going to the right church can't save you. You need to have a personal relationship with a Savior whose name is Jesus Christ. Many of you have a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to ask you today, are you following following him as the Lord of your life? are getting so close to Him, the dust of a Savior is on your clothes too. If you've been saved for a while, I'm not so worried about you backsliding. I'm worried about you plateauing, and you become professional Christians. Professional Christians aren't a threat to anybody. You've culturated your faith And it's become almost like a uh, personality quality rather than a living daily walk with God. And if he's the Lord of your life, there's some tough decisions we'll make along the way. There'll be a cost, but there'll also be a great reward. I'm going to ask you today, Would you re-up with Jesus as the Lord of your life? And I believe in the average Christian life, there are many times you re-up. Life has just come too routine. Lord, I need the freshness of walking with you. Radical obedience. Unrelenting passion for the things of God. A childlike faith in his word so forth. Pastor, as I close out, would you lead people in an invitation for lordship? And this invitation, I'm talking to Christians who maybe already made Jesus Lord of your life. This is a re-up today. Re-up. No more plateauing. I'm moving on, moving up, moving forward. Would you stand your feet, please? Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged. And maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.